Well, our Father in heaven, we, we want to do just what we've sung. Father, today, quickly, we want to come and we want to give you the praise that you deserve. Father, because you're the one that uh, you came to us first. And Father, today, as we assemble here together as your people, Lord, we want to be people that adore you. Father, we want you to know that we do have room in our hearts. And uh, we need to know you better. And so, Father, today we've come to this place in hope of you speaking to us. We thank you for the way you've done that already, as we want to worship you in spirit and in truth today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, church family, uh, good to be back with you. I trust Christmas is going well for you. This is the week, uh, and I've been talking to school teachers. Uh, it's the last uh, day of before Christmas break will be somewhere in this week. Emporia is done, Emporia States. Uh, finals were over, I think maybe Friday. Where's Jason? Uh, you guys with Emporia State, you've got your break started. And uh, just the regular process of Christmas. And so today we're back in the book of Luke. I said, this is our third. And I tell you, I don't know about you, but I so have appreciated just the chance to meditate and think of the message of the Advent wreath and today to have the youth be a part of that and to hear the words of the prophets. You realize what Ashley mentioned and then what was mentioned there, prophets spoke and nothing happened. And so you just think about here's the message that they bring and you're hoping it's going to come about. But the days come and the days go and life's just kind of normal until God chooses at his time to bring what he prophesied through the prophets. So we started with Peter and the word hope. And what hope is, is it's not just our confident expectation or uh, assuming that something will happen. But no, it's as we look back to the faithfulness of God, we've got a different way of looking at life, looking at life hopefully. And then last week, looking in the book of Luke, and we're going to go back to that same passage with those shepherds who are on the hill, not only did they start with hope, they then went to joy. Now, this week's joy, peace. You all, I got to do this for my, the peace that God brings to us, that that peace is more than just absence of war or conflict, but that peace is a fulfilling process of what he does to bring to us what we need. And today we're going to look at joy. And so the two and Luke go together. You can't have where he brings peace to us without all the joy that comes in those in that event. And so I want to ask you to stand and we're going to read together this longer section of Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through verse 20. And I want to read this story over us as we just hear again what happened that night on that hillside, and in what, what proceeded after that. And so here's what Luke gives us. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, 
who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he's pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Well, let's go. Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they'd heard and seen as it had been told them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you mean what you say. And Father, that you give us messengers to help us understand and hear what's on your heart. And Father, we pray this morning that your word would speak to us. And Father, I pray that in this season, not only hope and not only peace, but Father, your joy could be part of our experience. For it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Y'all may be seated. Preparing for today... I realized that there's some of you that have walked in here that uh, the Christmas season isn't all that the hype that it's made up to be. And I reflected back over my life. I remember the first Christmas after I lost my father. I was a junior in high school when he passed away in February. And so that first Christmas, I didn't live at home anymore. I'd left western Kansas. I was in eastern Kansas, a little town of Holton, just north of Topeka. And I still remember the first Christmas without my father. There was no, in fact, by that time my mother had had a stroke. She was still in a coma. And so my life was totally different than it had been for those 17 years. And then I remember our first Christmas in Africa. Uh, I get emotional just even thinking about it. You know, we were by ourselves. We had missionary friends who were around, and we'd only been there for six months. And so our relationship with the Africans was growing. But Christmas Eve was just Priscilla and I and Jenny. And uh, we were in our little, little house there in Lusaka, Zambia, uh, and tried to make it special. I still remember uh, Jenny's about a year and a half old, so we got a little year and a half old that uh, we're celebrating Christmas with. And it had a mixed feeling. You know, yeah, I appreciate Christmas, and especially Christmas in another culture. But do miss home and what was. And so today, to talk to us, to bring to this church family the word joy and what joy means, let's, let's look at it biblically. First of all, joy is connected to happiness. And happiness and joy are often completely related to circumstances. And so as I tell you, you know, there's all of us in this room, you've got mixed circumstances that go with significant events in life. So here we're coming on the Christmas season. Some of you are just like myself. Not some, I'll bet everybody in this room is just like I am. You've got a mixed set of circumstances that you can look back on and think about 
what the feelings that were generated in you. And that's happiness, sadness, that, that process goes on. But yet the message of those messengers that night was that God's plan is to bring us great joy with what He's up to. And so it's biblically, as we look at what joy is, joy's one step past circumstance. Here's how it was defined as I was studying this week. Joy is an attitude that God's people embrace, not because of the circumstances around us, but because of our faith and our hope in God's promises and His love. Our joy is an attitude that we embrace that's built on our faith and hope that God means what He says, He keeps His promises, and that He loves us. And so it dawned on me as I was that senior in high school on the first Christmas where I didn't have my parents with me. It wasn't a normal Christmas. I was missing something. I didn't have a knowledge. I had not I not learned, I not experienced all of God's promises that He keeps. And I really didn't, I mean, I'd gone to church a little bit, but my faith was not in the Lord, so I didn't know of His love for me. And so, yeah, the circumstances that were around my life were not normal, they weren't good. Those were bad experiences, losing your father and your mother in a stroke, having brain surgery and still not awake. But yet... After coming to know God's promises and God's faithfulness to show His love, then I've got something else to grip onto, which is an attitude of joy that comes when I get to see what He does, where He keeps His word, where I get to experience all that He's brought in. I think that's for every one of us. And so this morning, while joy... In the book of Galatians, this is the second fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. That fruit that God wants to give us, that fruit comes from knowing who He is and internally us dealing with our relationship with Him. And so it gives me great hope this morning is, first of all, this whole room, we're all in a different place. We're all somewhere in our relationship with this loving Heavenly Father who's making Himself known. And so instead of talking about joy, I want to look and see what are the results of being around God's joyous people. So last week when we talked about peace, I introduced to you the messengers, those angels, and how Gabriel came and was standing there talking to a shepherd and a bunch of sheep, some shepherds, a group of them, and sheep out there. And he's telling them the fact that on this night, God's promise has now been accomplished. He has sent his son. And the moment those words were out of his mouth, all heaven couldn't stop. I mean, they just came into appearance and they got happy. And so that joy that those created beings, those angels had, they couldn't contain it. I mean, they start singing, and we just read it. It's in Luke chapter 2, that, that song, that glory. It says, glory to the Lord in the highest, and on earth peace among with whom he is well pleased. And those angels, 
I think it took longer than that. I think they're happy enough that it has now happened that God has sent his son just as he promised in all those prophets. That it took a little longer than what it took me to read that. They're just rejoicing in God's love and God's faithfulness. And so let's look at what happens to people who are around God's joy. And so that's why I want to look at what the shepherds did, not what they uh, learn about, but what their actions are. And so the first event, what happens with the lives of the shepherds after those angels went away, it starts in Luke chapter 2, 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, they said, let's go. Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord's made known to us. And they went with haste. I think one of the fruit, one of the results of you and I experiencing God's faithfulness and His love for us is that our faith in who He is, our faith grows feet. Faith grows feet. Because here are, the, here are these shepherds. They're all, I mean, let's, let's get real here. They're on probably a hillside. They're watching over their sheep. Angels, one of, the, one of the guys I read this week, it was really cute. He said, you know, God chose angels to come and sing to sheep. You know, you'd not expect that. You'd think those angels would come, they'd be at Times Square. You'd think those angels would come and they'd be where all of media could pick them up. But no, in God's wisdom and who he is, a bunch of shepherds and a bunch of sheep got the best live show that has ever been on earth, I think, was that night where those angels got happy. But as those shepherds considered what had just happened to them, first of all, they talked among themselves. They said to one another, let's go. Now, church, I believe part of what makes a healthy body of believers is that kind of mutual communication where, you know, they could have said to each other, good night, what just happened? Can you believe that? They could have ignored it. They could have said, nah, I had too much of whatever we drank earlier tonight. <laughs> I had too much of that. But no, they talked about what they had just seen and experienced together. They spoke to one another and they made a commitment. They said, let's go. Let's go and see if what God has promised is real. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, there's some here in this room that are grandparents. And I want to submit to you that one of the benefits that God's got in the plan of family is grandparents, will you talk to your grandkids about what you've seen and heard? Would you share your faith with your grandchildren of experience in life and just let them know what you've experienced to the Lord? And I'd like to submit that to all of you because we're all in a different place. Some of you have been walking with the Lord for years, but some of you are just now getting started. Some of you may even be in the seeking state where you're saying, I really don't know if this is really for me, but I, I would challenge us 
as we are at this Christmas season, and today we're talking about the joy that comes from seeing God's faithfulness to keep His promise and God's love for us. If you even believe that, would you pass that on? Your faith grows feet. And so these guys said to one another, all right, let's just go see if it's true. And I love it. It says, with haste. Now, I'm a saunterer. If you, if you ever see us, where is my dear little, my wife's somewhere back there. She was at the welcome booth. If you see us in town, about 90% of the time, you're going to see Priscilla two or three steps ahead of me. Because I, I walk slow. I've got short inseam. I'm not very long-legged. And I'm kind of a slow guy. Yesterday, we were out doing some Christmas shopping, and Priscilla stopped, and I caught up with her. And we just said, you know, you're, Priscilla's intentional. She walks faster than I do. But on this night, with haste, there was no sauntering on your way into Bethlehem. These guys had experienced all that God had for them, and they wanted to find out. They wanted to go and see it for themselves. I think one of the dangers of our relationship with the Lord is sometimes we saunter. You're like I am. And as God reveals who He is to you, take it serious, just like these shepherds. And with haste, they pursued Him. They wanted, they wanted to pursue and discover, is what we've heard and what we've seen among all these angels, is it real? And so I just want to ask you, where are you at in your relationship with the Lord? Because He's working in all of our lives. He's revealing Himself. On this night, which I think is going to be, we're going to, when we get to heaven, we get to see the timeline of the whole thing. This is going to be the night. This is the time. The crucifixion, yes. That is the, that's the pivotal point. But you can't have a crucifixion, you can't have a resurrection until you have a birth. And so when God kept his promise, and he sent him, and he's here, that recognition, and in that haste to go and see if it's real, that is what I believe we can learn from. The impact of joy on their lives is they quickly wanted to learn, is this real? Is this true for us? And so with haste, they went. One of the barriers that could be in our relationship with God is the barrier fear. You know, if God would have chosen to bring the angels to the political world, to that headquarter, you know, those politicians would have to look around and see, well, who saw that and their relationship with one another and what can can impact people is that group think. And so the fear of pursuing, well, wow, is this really what God's got for us? And overcoming fear, saying, I really want to see if what God has said is true and right for me, dealing with that fear and moving forward is what I believe these angels did. I mean, these shepherds did with what they'd heard from the angels. And so the first thing, in response to the joy that others have, their response was that their faith grew feet. The second insight I think we have in this story starts in 217. 
And when they saw it, now what's the it? What they saw, what the angels had talked about. You know, wasn't it good? God gave very precise, correct word of where to find a baby. Now, Bethlehem is not a big town. And they're, who knows? I don't, you know, is there going to be another baby born that night? I don't know. But the angels were very, very accurate. And they said, you go and you look for him and you're going to find him. First of all, you're not going to find him in the inn. You're not going to find him in the hotel. You're not going to find him somewhere else. He's going to be with the animals. There was no other place. And you're going to find him in a manger. Y'all, I did not know the word manger in Chinyanja. One of the Christmases, my first term we were out there, I was in a village just sharing the Christmas story. You know what I called angel in that language? I called it the plate of a cow. And so wherever cattle eat at that time, the plate of a cow, you go looking for babies. Now, you don't look for babies usually in mangers. And not only in a manger, you're going to find him wrapped up in, they didn't have a good welcome blanket in, a sw- in really just rags. Rags that could have been used for something else. But he's just wrapped up that way. And so with haste, because of their belief of what God had said, they went quickly. In verse 17 it says, And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been tolding, told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered. The second thing, I've already touched a little bit about grandparents, but the second idea of this story with these shepherds is we need to be people that share God's power and His message with others. The joy of the angels was worth passing on. And so when they got there, they said, Mary, you're not going to believe. You and Joe, you're just not going to believe what happened to us. We were out there on the hillside. We were doing our normal, everyday business. We were watching the sheep. And what shows up is an angel. And then all the angels showed up and told us about this baby. And so they came and they shared what they had heard with Mary. And later we read that Mary pondered in her hearts. But the people that heard it wondered. They were in awe. They were amazed at what God had to say. You know, there's something really good about this idea of us sharing with what we've learned. In John chapter 4, one of my favorite stories of Jesus training, we've got the, the rookies, the disciples that are new, new followers of Jesus. They've been down in Jerusalem, they're on their way back up to Galilee, and they're in Samaria, and they're at a well with a woman. And the woman has been confronted by Jesus, and I believe that when she heard his voice say, I'm the one that you're looking for, the Holy Spirit spoke and she believed. She said, this really is the Messiah. And she goes into town. And when she goes into town, she's telling everybody, y'all come on out to the well. I've found something that we've been looking for. And the next verse says, they came. Now, that's the story. Now, here's what Jesus is doing. He's got his disciples, and he's going to teach them. So he said, first of all, I got food that you don't know anything about. Secondly, I'm looking at things that you don't see. My food is to do the will of the one who called me and to finish his work. 
And I see a harvest that's white. You say it's not ready, but I'm telling you this harvest is ripe. It's ready for action. But here's the third thing he told them. In John chapter 4, verse 36, Jesus said, Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. Now, we're not talking about Jesus' birth. We're talking about what Jesus came to do, and that is to make Christ followers, people that know Him and want to follow Him with their whole heart. And He says, now listen, I know how to pay people. My payment to you is a joy and a gladness you'll find nowhere else. He said, I'm already in on it. I know right now I'm a sower because the sower and the reaper are going to be working together in this this kingdom that I'm bringing. And I want you to know that when we see people respond to the goodness of who God is and give their lives to Him, you're going to rejoice in a way you've never rejoiced anywhere else. And so on this night, you got shepherds getting in on that. The shepherds saw it, they heard it, they believed it, and what they do? They went and talked about it. Now I want to come back to you grandmas. I tell you what, there's nothing richer, I think, some of the most special time. We saw Margaret. Special time in life, let me finish, finish my sentence. Special time in life is to be with your grandchildren. You've invested in your kids, and now you've got your grandkids, the next generations around you. Yesterday, we went to our neighbor, Margaret. Margaret's 94, I think. Right, Priscilla, 93 or 94. Guess what Margaret's living for? She's living for this next Saturday. She's 94 years old. She's going to have all of her family come to Topeka and flood her house. She's got a little house, and they're going to be filled. She is so looking forward to seeing grandchildren. Now for her, great-grandchildren. And Margaret guessed, now, she's Catholic background. Guess what Margaret told her whole family? We're going to Mass. We're going to 4 o'clock Mass on Christmas Eve. No questions asked. Now, I want you to, I, I want to pass on what I caught from that, and that is the value that Margaret's got in a relationship with God. And let's don't, let's don't trip over the thing about what church she's going to. Let's, let's identify what's going on in her heart. And what she's doing is exactly what these shepherds did. They have something of value that they've seen from God himself. They've seen it, they've heard it, and they believe it. And they want to pass it on. And Jesus was training the disciples in the very same thing. He said, now listen, the reaper and the sower. This is one place where it's true. One sows and another one reaps. But I'm telling you, that both of us are going to rejoice together in when we see the harvest coming in. So grandparents, you could have kids that are far away from the... I mean, okay, my grandmother. I didn't have that Christmas. My grandmother was in Colby. I'm in Holton. I'm far away from her on that first Christmas. But my grandmother knew the Lord. And I know my grandmother prayed for me. And it was great when I got to tell my grandmother when I had made a decision that, yeah, I needed to become a Christ follower. I'd received Christ as my Savior. And when I told good old Rosa Truman, that was a great day for her. And so grandparents, keep believing that God can work in your family. Moms, dads, 
I mean, let's believe in passing on what we've experienced to our kids, but let's go further. I mean, just think of all the relationships that are in this room today. I mean, we're talking thousands of people that would be connected to a room this size. And what could God do if we're just faithful to just have a word of testimony about this Christmas season? You know, this Christmas season is meaningful for me because what we're celebrating has been real in my own life. You know, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, and that son, that's what we're celebrating, his arrival. I don't know if that's meaningful for you, but it sure is meaningful for me. I mean, it's a little simple testimony like that, a one-liner, that we just are faithful with the people that God's brought around us. Now, a bunch of shepherds led the way. Not only did their faith grow feet and they went, but when they went, they shared what they saw and what they heard. They were faithful to that. The barrier of experiencing that is unbelief. Now, that's where I really want to do spiritual warfare. Because I believe the evil one, what he wants to do is he wants to steal, he wants to kill, and he wants to destroy any kind of a relationship that you have with the Lord. And so that's what he's up to. And so I just want to encourage you that if you sense that God's been speaking to you, you've seen what he's got for you, you read it in his word, be faithful with that. Believe what those shepherds believed. They believed that they'd really heard something worth talking about. And so their faith grew feet, and they shared what they'd seen and they heard. And the last point I want to share is they returned different. Luke 2.20, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they'd heard and they'd seen, just as it had been told them. Now, I keep talking to you as a, group, as a church family, all the diversity in this room. But I'll, I mean, just look, I know I'm beginning to know you all as a church. You've all got different experiences of your relationship with God. Some of you have enjoyed being on a mission trip and seeing what God has done. I mean, today we celebrated the family there in Abilene. And just the story, it started right here in Emporia, where they began to sense this is God's leading. And you, we get these great mountaintop experiences. Just We're talking the, probably the best mountaintop experience on earth is when the shepherds hear that one angel and then boom, they all come out and they're just so happy. They can't believe it. Look what the Bible says. Those guys return back to the day-to-day -day normal work of being a shepherd. My point is, that all of us, whether it was a church camp or a mission trip or a weekend revival, or for me, a couple of weeks ago, or a couple of months now, the mission celebration we had at this church, that was a very meaningful time just to see what God's doing through this body and beyond. But it's over. We have good experiences. And you can't live on the mountaintop. The angels did go home. It was over. But look what happened. After it happened, there were different people. It said they returned back, but they glorified God 
and they praised him for what they saw, what they experienced. And so I want to ask you, in your life experience, don't discount those events where God speaks to you. And I think life's long enough and rich enough that you ought to remember them back in, for me, sixth grade, freshman year in high school. When I first heard the good news and it made sense for me on January 22, 1972, more hall, 303. You know, that's not the pinnacle. That's just one of the events where God made himself known. I'm just telling you about my life, but just imagine in this room all that God has done to make himself known to you. And are we changed people? Well, we're changed people because we believe it. We learn more. You know, who... So let's go back to, guess what? Peter didn't write this story. Matthew didn't write this story. John didn't write this story. No, it's Luke. I believe what happened, it's just supposition, but I believe as Luke came with Paul when he came to Israel, went to the temple in Jerusalem, Luke's doing interviews. And Luke either met the shepherds or heard the story about what happened on this night. And he said, man, that's too good. We're not not going to miss that one. We're going to write that one down. And we get the book of Luke. We get this story. And so the difference that happened on that night was still years later being told by the people that were eyewitnesses of what happened. I, I do believe Mary was still alive. And as Luke is catching her story, you know, he says... And you got a life story here, said, and she pondered that. We're talking maybe 20 years, 25 years later. She says, no, on that night when those guys came and they talked to me about what they'd seen out there on that hillside, I just stored that in my heart. And you read the book of Luke. Not only did she store what happened that night, she's going to store what happens on that cross in her heart. And everybody leaves him. And there's no angel. And even Jesus said, I could do it. I could, I could call them down, and they'd come, and they'd, I wouldn't have to get up on that cross. But God's great love for us, he didn't. He didn't call those angels that could come and could do all. We don't know what they could do. And no, he took that cross for you, and he took that cross for me. And that started That night that he was born. And the joy that came. Mary pondered that in her heart. And she ponders his death, his burial, and his resurrection in her heart. And it changed her. So church family, I just want to ask you, where are you at? You know, this Christmas season, as I started, I said there's some of you that walked in these doors today that this isn't a very joyful time. There's enough circumstances that have happened in your life, and it's real. Don't discount those. But what I want to tell you is that the Lord will meet you there. He'll meet you where? Pain, disappointment, discouragement of your experience. And yet, he's got a message. And that message is, for God so loved the world, he sent me. And we're celebrating my coming. And those angels did get happy. And there is joy that comes not because of our circumstances, 
but because of God's great love for us and His faithfulness to keep His Word. Joy and endurance. In Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2, we get, a, we get an encouraging word for us. Because it starts, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which so easily clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the races sent before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. You see, we have joy when life's not easy. You see, Jesus could have called the angels. He could have stopped it right then. But for the joy that he knew that God meant what he said, that as he suffers for us and he will die and he will be buried, I believe he's believing that I will be resurrected. He doesn't know what that feels like because he's a man. He's like you and me. He's living in real time. But for the joy of what it is to have a redeemed group of people knowing him, following him in relationship with him, he says, I'll endure. And so some of you are in the enduring spot right now, and I just want to remind all of us that for the joy that we have, because God is a, he's a lover and he's faithful, he is worth following, even when it's hard even when it's difficult. And so experiencing that abundant joy, first of all, I want to challenge you. Act on what you believe, wherever you are in that spectrum. I'm not talking about people finishing grad school and seminary. I'm talking about where you believe right now. We're faithful people. Our faith grows feet. Secondly, share with others what you've seen God do in your own life and what you've seen God do in the lives of others. And then finally, We're different people because we worship Him with grateful hearts. We identify where He's been at work in our life. We identify where He's been at work in the life of 12th Avenue. We identify where He's at work beyond here because it's worth remembering. And that brings a joy that will endure. So I want to ask you to stand. We're going to close. We've got another verse to share to end our time. But as you celebrate this Christmas season, and you hear, we've now covered three of them. You hear hope, you hear peace, and you hear joy. Those three gifts are what God wants us to experience. And that joy of an attitude that we're choosing to believe that God means what He says, that He's faithful and He's loving, that can carry you through maybe some of the darkest days you could face. So let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you are a God who wants to be known. You're not hiding yourself. You are available to every one of us here today. And Father, you've got a message, and that message is that you so love the world that you are a giver and that you gave your son. He came just as you promised. And so, Father, I pray that your joy would be real, that we could adopt and embrace that attitude of trusting you and experiencing you, and that brings a response in us that is unexplainable because of the joy that is a gift of your Spirit. We thank you for that. 
And Father, we want to ask you, I ask that you would use this, your body, here in Emporia and beyond, to your glory, for it's in your Son's name we pray, amen. And so we're back, I, I wanted to use the very same verses last week as a benediction for us to be dismissed, because it has all three of the words in it. Here's what Paul says in Romans 15, 13. He says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe in him, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound. And so, go be the church. Y'all have a good week.